When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right this second I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Giorgio Boyle and the Kevin Thomas of the Terrace get together. Yes, that's right. You are in for another big whack of lower league Scottish football. And Sean and I are going to be spending the next 172 minutes talking about the biggest stories, the biggest games that have shaken football right to the very core from the top of the championship all the way to the bottom of League Two. This will be, we'll be talking about teams that we've perhaps spoken about quite recently. So consider that, dear listener, as a part de of the podcast that you might have heard in recent weeks. But before we get started, as always, Sean, how's it hanging? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. There's something I want to get off my chest. And it's it's not necessarily uh, directed at you, but it's directed at um, someone who is also associated with the terrace. Um, I was listening to Monday's podcast on my way to work and uh, they were doing the usual troop around the top flight. And right at the very beginning <coughs> of the show, Craig Fowler introduced uh, Robert Borthwick and Anthony Anderson as a Jake Peralta and the Adrian Pimento of the terrace. I was like, whoa, 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 hold your horses here, Craig. Just uh, the two things. One, don't infringe on mine and Sean's gimmick. And two, if you must, don't use wanky yank speak on these podcasts, Craig. Uh, you may need to bring us up next time you see him. Uh, well, he can. Though he doesn't listen to this, doesn't he? He's just uh, he's just interested in feathering his own nest. So he doesn't listen to these podcasts. As long as there's, as long as there's content going up, that's the most important thing. But I just I remember listening to that and thinking, whoa, whoa! I had to look up there from a sitcom from Brook called Brooklyn Nine Nine. You familiar with it? No, no, I wouldn't have got that one. No, neither did I. Um, but I watched the. Remember, the, it's available on Netflix. But I remember seeing people talk about the, the sketch where they had a, a police lineup and they got them to sing "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys. And I think, my goodness, Rubbish. if this is yeah, if this is a really popular comedy, then then I suppose that's it, like really popular comedies. Like people voted for Brexit. You know, that's a that was popular. I've seen I've seen trailers for it and many trailers. Uh, not one has has tempted me into watching. No, and that's what people are saying. It's like it's hilarious uh, comedy. It's got Andy Andy Samberg in it. Andy Samberg, oh yeah, the star of That's My Boy with Adam Sandler. 
Yeah, that guy. Oh, but it sounds great. I'll tune in and watch that. It does, however, have the, the guy from Superbad in it who takes him to the party and gets his head kicked in by the, the guy who's hosting the party. He's the best guy. You know, it's great because there's no backstory as to why there's that beef between him. You know, he just he's on the phone and the guy's like, you're phone your friends, you're fucking fantastic friends. Great. He's got a violent out. He's got a, he's got a warrant out for a non-violent crime. It's brilliant. It's, it's, a, it's such a it's such a great character. So much mystery there. See, see, in terms of things that make you laugh, I, I tell you what tickled me today. I was uh, I was in a meeting at work, and rather than concentrating on anything that was going on, I was having a discussion with yourself about whether or not Brian Graham should make a dreamboat a living because of his teeth, <laughs> because of his terrible teeth. <laughs> That's right, uh, listeners, uh, please check uh, my Twitter page, at Craig G. Telfer. Earlier today, I put together, with Sean's help, to be fair, with Sean's help, put together the, the handsome lower league 11. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the team picks itself, particularly the centre-backs and the, the wing-backs. They, the, 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 back, the back five picks itself, really. But there's a couple of positions that we needed a bit of work on, uh, particularly goalkeeper Joshua Ray. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's really in there by default, really. He's the he's least ugly goalkeeper in the, in the Scottish lower leagues. Uh, but up front, Ozzy C obviously gets in the team, the SG Endra striker. He's a very, very handsome guy. And we need someone to supplement him. So we thought about Brian Graham. And I thought, yeah, Brian Graham's generally quite a good looking guy, but pictures of him and his I I wasn't too keen on his teeth. So uh, Did you I haven't to check, did you find one where he's not smiling? We found one of his smiling, but he's had the good grace to keep his mouth closed. Ah, ah thank so that's uh, that's one that made it in. Uh, so that's. I, I, thought, I, I thought Nathan Austin would have been a, an option. You could have uh, chosen that picture of him in uh, in that flamboyant suit. Oh, I, I, I didn't know there was a picture of him in a flamboyant suit. I just uh, saw me with just sort of. Uh, I, I, Nathan Austin doesn't do it for me. Yeah, well, we're um, not different. Somebody, somebody got in touch and said, "Oh, well done in picking a conventionally handsome eleven. I was like, well, well, who would you want in there that's, uh, well, you want Mark Ridgers in there? You know, absolute heartthrobs like him. No, I think what, it's... What's what's unconventionally handsome? I, Ugly. Yeah, I'm trying try to think, who would be an unconventional... Uh, tell me who's, who's a sort of like a, a, a weird-looking fella, but in a sort of like a striking way. Blair Malcolm that plays for Albion Rovers. Ah, yeah, odd-looking duck. Aye, but I'm sure he's a model. He's got really good cheekbones. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so so that's it. So so maybe I, t- I tell you what the guy who got in touch with me. Maybe you make your own uh, good looking eleven, and we'll see uh, what Compare. other people think. Aye, and folk were like, "Oh, oh, why is Gregor Buchanan not in there?" It's like, oh, "Have you seen who's playing at centre back?" You, you think we're going to take Tom Lane out to put Gregor Buchanan in? You, you, you know something? You could at least uh, pronounce Tom Lang's name correctly. How did I say it? Tom Lane. Right, where's that extra I come from? I have no idea. I have no, no idea. idea either. No idea either. But my goodness, it's like you look through his, you go and Google images and look at Tom Lang. My goodness. His, uh, if you don't follow him on Instagram, I, I really would recommend it. Why is that? Uh, because there's a, a lot of images of him with his, with his top off, if that's okay. if that floats your boat. Uh, you know what? I, I uh, find enough problems uh, with my own sort of sense of well-being. I don't need to see a really good-looking guy with a, a shaved stomach. You know, that's that, I, I, I can do without that. I can do without that. I'll just, I'll just admire him from afar. There's uh, just, just where we're on that. There, Craig Watson has uh, just uh, he's uh, put a, he's quote tweeted it with a gif. He's, I think he's been in the team three years in a row, but let's be honest, he's uh, the, 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 the face of an angel, but the politics of a devil. <laughs> Very much so. 
very, very much, much so. Very much um, get on your bike sort of uh, mentality. Hi, uh, I, I think he turns his nose up at poor people. That's the impression I get. Do you want to talk about the football instead? I mean, if, if we must. If we must, if we must. Listen, if, I, I tell you who's got good politics, though. The, the guy has got good politics. Uh, Tam Collins, that, that played for East Fife and briefly at, at Stenhouse Muir. He, he seems like a, a good egg. Good. Good place right, to sort hear. Of, uh, quite, quite, quite left-leaning, yeah. Um, so I'm sure uh, they used to share a car together on their training to, on their way into East Fife. My goodness, there must have been some discussions on that journey. Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It must be like question time in the back of the car there. Um, anyway, listen, we've, we have got a lot to get through and we were starting recording this podcast at nine o'clock and Sean and I said we at least want to get it wrapped up by midnight. That is the... <laughs> We can't can't guarantee that'll be the case, but that's certainly I, uh, what we want to happen. I, I think you said that. I laughed politely, uh, but but before twelve would be even better. Okay, before twelve, so like quarter to twelve. Yeah, right. I, ideal. Okay, so as we said, normally what Sean and I do, this is our patented, and we have patented this with the British Patent Office. We will look at, at three games that take place, one in the Championship, one at League One and one in League Two. We're kind of doing that, but it's a bit more of a grab bag. There'll probably be less discussion of the games themselves and more a bit of chat about the, the sort of the big stories because a lot has happened in the, the lower leagues over the past seven days. And I suppose the, the first place really to start, Sean, as we mentioned earlier, is the top of the Championship, and it's Queen's Park, who are without a doubt the most entertaining and exciting team in the country at the moment. Now I know they lost against Wraith Rovers 1-0 in the SPFL Trust Trophy last night. That was a much changed team to the to the normal side. We'll come on and talk, talk about that from a Wraith perspective in a second but Queen's Park dished out uh, another of many hammerings in this recent run by bodying Cove Rangers 6-0 on Saturday. It was even more impressive given the fact they'd lost at uh, the Balmoral Stadium uh, their last time there. What do you think of Queen's Park at the moment, Sean? Uh, I, I think I think they've improved significantly since uh, since the start of the season. I think Owen Coyle's got them. I think he's got a pretty good balance now. I think in terms of certainly Malachi Botang that sits in front of the back four protects uh, protects the defence, and that just allows the people in front of him. So Josh McPake, Grant Savory, especially Dom Thomas as well, and uh, Simon Murray. They're just allowed to play. But like, see when you're watching that game back against Cove, and, and to be fair, defensively, Cove looked a shambles, but regardless, Queen's Park were very good. But see their their ability to pass their way out of like tight situations. Uh, their movement was very good. The the, the goals that they've got in, uh, in amongst them now are means that they are generally going to outscore most opponents now. And as much as... <sighs> It's, it's difficult to think, it's difficult to look at that league and still not fancy Dundee to win it. But see, the longer this January transfer window goes without Dundee making one or two more signings, it's difficult not to start the fancy Queen's Park because it, it, it feels like something isn't quite right at Dundee at this moment. Of time. What I mean by that is maybe more behind the scenes. Like it, it felt like it felt like Boyer wasn't backed in the summer window. It feels like he's not really been backed, certainly as of yet, in January. And I think if, if I think if Dundee are allowed to make uh, additions in January, then I had maybe fancied Dundee again. But it's, it's difficult not to start to lean to Queen's Park at least, which is an extraordinary thing to say when you think about where they were three or four years ago. And being in mind, nobody like I'm saying nobody, 
like even Rangers didn't manage to get three promotions in a row, but Queen's Park are now in line for three promotions in a row. It's incredible. One of the things, Sean, I wanted to, there's a, a podcast that, that went out earlier in the week and they, the, I, I didn't listen to the full thing. I listened to a clip that was shared on social media and the presenter on it said that Queen's Park, if they were to be promoted into the Premiership, it would be embarrassing and they're effectively a, a new Gretna I, I, and to me, the, the 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 person speaking really seemed to get hung up on the 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 word fairy tale. I haven't really seen Queens Park described as a, as a fairy tale. I think that we are we're kind of in a position where we're a wee bit more cynical, we're a wee more incredulous when it comes to stuff like this. When a team who have effectively gone from like a, a, a perennially like bottom tier occasionally that one level above that are suddenly turbocharged and are making their way through the divisions I, I found that a wee bit uh, a wee bit cynical and, and a wee bit um, a wee bit cruel actually in parts I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I mean, Benjamin, a, a, a large number of Gretna players were guys who had been brought down from... Kind of upper echelons of Scottish football, and then went down the way to to join Great Now. Whereas Queens Park haven't haven't done it. Don't get me wrong. I, I suspect their wage bill will be will be decent, but these are the the majority of these players. Certainly, I think it was six or seven from the weekend who were playing in League One last season and weren't overly impressing under Laurie Ellis. So I do think Owen Coyle deserves a, a massive amount of credit for oh, yeah. for the job they've done so far. A hundred percent. I think that was a team that that drew literally drew half their matches. And, I, I think and, I, I think there was a was it Saturday's win or the week before. Certainly, one of their wins recently uh, meant that they'd now won more games this season than they won for all of last season. Is that right? Yep, that's incredible. I mean, I, I was looking at the team of players that they had um, that that went out against Cove Rangers, and I'm looking at guys like like Callum Ferry was a sort of like reserve goalkeeper at Dundee. Tommy mm. Robson, we've spoken about him in this podcast before, pretty poor at Falkirk. Sort of like yep. it was really a as seen when he joined Queens Park as a bottom of the barrel full time player. Lee Kilday, very much the same after leaving Queen of the South. Charlie Fox had been kicking around like lower league, non league English football. Very sort of the similar signing to you see the likes of like Partick Thistle or Dundee make in that instance. Then you've got like um, Jake Davidson was a, a former Dundee United youth player. Jack Thompson, Dundee United, uh, sorry, Rangers youth player. Josh, and then you kind of come to the forward players and then then there's like, but Grant Savory was, was playing at Peterhead, Peterhead last season. Simon Murray had, had had a really serious injury playing out in South Africa. Dom Thomas, like all, we all know how talented a player he is, but he seemed to flit in and out of... of 
form last season a team who ultimately relegated and there's Josh McPake who's had a couple of loan spells here and there um, and is joined on loan from Rangers so you really like a lot of the credit does have to come to own coil for, for just like galvanising this team of who were pretty mediocre last season and Queen's Park looks like great fun to, to, to be a part of at the at the moment Right, when I when I looked at that squad that was assembled to to go into this season, I thought, right, like I, I'm fairly certain we discussed in the preview pod. Uh, it might have been about hour hour three point seven, uh, where we thought that Queens Park would be absolutely fine, and they might sneak into the playoffs if they had a if if they could maybe perform above expectations, and and that's just that this squad. It looked like they'd assembled a a, a group of players who would be. Ad- more than adequate for for keeping for keeping them in the division, and kind of mid table ish felt like their their natural position when you looked at who Dundee had when you looked at who made up Park Thistle squad their uh, recruitment and makeup of the squad is nowhere near what you would what you would regard as the quality of Dundee or or Partick. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't group them in the same kind of category as 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 Gretna were, for example. No no no. I remember Gretna when when they were signing. It was guys like Stephen Tosh uh, from from Aberdeen, Jamie McQuilkin. I'm sure they signed from Aberdeen. Chris Innes, did they get Chris Innes at United or something? I think they might have done. Alan Main from St Johnson. Mm-hmm. So it was like they were all like like I'd use the term if you like household names. I think if you were even a a fairly casual observer of Scottish football, these were all players that you would have heard of. I don't think the guys that, that you signed from Queens Park that that most people would would know. I just think that they're, they're just being very very well coached. And I think the, the, the comparisons with Gretna, you can see parallels with it where it's one man putting in a, a lot of money to it. And there's a good article, actually, that, that James Kearney wrote about them. And I've seen, actually, a few articles written about Queen's Park. This is perhaps the the most attention that they've had in a long time um, <laughs> about the club. On BBC uh, Sports Scotland website as well. Kearney was comparing them to Gretna and saying that Whereas Gretna had really no interest in sustainability or putting the foundations in place. I mean, there was certainly talk about that. Remember, they were going to have an eco stadium. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. No, that didn't really. That didn't really come to pass. No, it didn't come to pass. Whereas Queens Park, or Queens Park will 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 have a stadium of of sorts. Christ <laughs> no. Well, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. A, a stadium that would that that is not going to be fit for purpose anytime soon. No, it, it doesn't. It's still a long way away. I mean, I, I remember hearing that the Queen's Park's loan agreement, you know when they, they, they went and played the game against Hamilton Ackies at Hamden? That was, the, they, they played till up at Oakleview until that point, and then boom, that was them. Two games in Hamden, and then Lesser Hamden would be in a position where it could host games with a reduced capacity. But that evidently isn't the case uh, because they're back at Oakleview. They've played their last two games at Oakleview against Partick Thistle and against Wraith Rovers uh, last night. So, so the stadium's a long way away. But at least putting the infrastructure in place in terms of having a, a youth setup, which will hopefully bear fruit at some point in the future. Um, so I suppose that. that, that I mean, I can't imagine Willie Hawhey's on a diet of Lucasaden fags. <laughs> so there's one thing. And I think that, that, that another thing as well, his wealth, he is demonstrably a very, very wealthy person. Um, you know, and I think that the agreement there is to last only 10 years before he withdraws his support for the club. So I, I don't know what that, that looks like, uh, what that will look like come 2030. 
whenever it is, when, when that, that comes to pass. Uh, I, I suspect that when he withdraws his, uh, his funding, then they will drop. The thing is, is, is significantly, it, but they say drop significantly. It's just <clears throat> these these. This is boom time for Queens Park, and this is the time where you want to have as many people coming along as possible. I was thinking when I was actually this on the way to work for this podcast that we're going to be to do. I was thinking, but like. And like growing up in the 90s a lot of the people I went to school with were Rangers supporters why was that the case? well a number of reasons um, there's a good good proddy area that I come from <laughs> but I think it's because that was in the that was in the nine in a row era and that was like a, a team who were winning every week with some brilliant players like winning trophies all the time and, and as a, a young you want to associate yourself with that you want to associate yourself with the winning side and with Queen's Park it would be great if they had that base in the south side that, that you could say this is home and they could be at home whilst experiencing all this this success and having a great time because for the best of the world to, to, to have him played at Fur Hill and, and played at Falkirk Stadium and playing at, at Oakville View, you know, you're having the, the best time in your life but, but you're not having it in your, I, in your own back I, garden so I, that's I, a difficult so that's the point is so it's so like you're, you're going through all this and, and this is a great time to be growing a support and I just don't know if, if they're able to do that at the moment I, 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 exactly that I don't know how much their, their support will have grown and bear in mind Scotland more than any other country uh, clubs are dependent on who comes through the, the, the turnstile so, so I if Queen's Park can grow their support if they can take it from several hundred to goodness knows 1500 or 2000 then suddenly there are a sustainable full-time club when when hockey goes I, I still think that's I still think that might be quite a bit away f- for them though how do you mean in, in terms of getting 1500 home fans through the door every every second week that feels like a that feels like a massive leap from from where they are now. I mean, I was, and I know it. I know it, I know it's at Oakville View, but the the league game I was at uh, when was that? Maybe October or November. Queens Park won one 0 It was like a few hundred kind of mm. Queens Park fans, and and I maybe maybe one or two hundred more would have been there if it was a if it was a lesser. But to to treble or quadruple your your home support that's a, that's a big ask, uh, and and whether they can get to that point in the next. Six or seven years, I'm. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it, it's tricky. Do, do Do you think like I, I used the word earlier, fairy tale? Do Do you think there is a degree of that in this? I think if you're not necessarily, uh, you know, something. If you're a Queens Park fan, it probably is. Imagine if you, Christ, imagine if you're, imagine if you've been going to watch Queens Park for thirty thirty years, and you've you've watched them every now and again not being in the bottom tier or kind of grubbing around in the lower leagues and suddenly you're watching this team taking five off the Rovers at Starts Park and six off Cove Rangers outscoring teams in the second tier and being top of the second tier to get promoted to the Premier League I suppose to a degree it's, it's, a, it's a fairy tale I, I suppose I suppose the caveat I would add to that is uh, and, and Scottish football, the word fairy tale kind of feels like a bad word, but I, yeah. I don't know if it necessarily is in this context. See, if it was Queen's Park in their amateur days doing this, then you'd be like, that's, that's a, a fairy tale. tale. That's a fairy tale. tale. But I suppose it's like, it's, it's just turbocharged. It's like, imagine Goldilocks and the three bears. Imagine Goldilocks took steroids and kicked fuck out the bears. <laughs> that's. 
<laughs> well, I tell you, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So you've always had a soft spot for Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you now have less of a soft spot because of hockey's uh, influence? You know, it, it, it's probably a bit less. It's probably a bit less special. I, I'd say that. I mean, that was something I always liked about Queen's Park. That it felt like one of the great anomalies in Scottish football to me was that this this team of amateurs that are that are playing in an incredible stadium whereas you've basically got one eighth of the ground is dedicated to supporters that's something that I always found really interesting and then particularly the the team the Billy Stark side that won promotion in 2007 and going to Firhill to see them beat East 5-4-2 which is one of the best games of football I've ever been to Queen's Park were incredible that night and they were really good but there's that degree of jeopardy because East 5 scored twice in that game so I've always liked them since then and it's like yeah, perhaps you, you might say this. Ah, it doesn't feel as special because they're 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 playing over all over the country. They don't necessarily have a home. However, I went to see them against the Ackies a couple of weeks ago when they won four 0 and and it was it, it was back in Hamden, and that felt really really nice. That that that, that did feel feel really nice. I, I spoke to uh, I bought two Queens Park tops. They were getting rid of some of their old stocks. So I bought two Queens Park tops for a, a fiver fiver each. Um, I saw my old physics teacher who was a, a Queen's Park fan so I was class seeing her uh, I, I, I bumped her and, and, and it just it just felt like it looked it looked really really good when I was there it's kind of like I kind of it did feel a wee bit special uh, like, like to, to be am honest right? and am I right saying there was was it over 3,000? I'd say I, 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 would... I mean I know there was free tickets and what have you but that's still decent if Rovers were to give away free tickets I don't know if they'd get 3,000 mm, I, I mean that's the thing that they've got a really good like the Glasgow South side, that I mean, having lived in Glasgow now for for eighteen months and having like spent a bit of time in the South Side, the South Side really has a different sort of feel to it. And like particularly places like Shawlands, Pollock Shields, or like Mount Florida, Cathcart, these that really does feel like a a distinct place within Glasgow. And I think that it's just a shame that they can't capitalise on this because their stadium isn't re- isn't ready for it. And if if you were if you if they had their own ground and they could tap into these local schools and give away free tickets and really even if you can capture like 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 a quarter of these kids like as they go into adulthood and, and become Queen's Park supporters that would be brilliant. It's just if you don't have the home to do it, you can't build on that. So unless it is ready, just say Queen's Park go into the the top flight next season. And you're going, and you're going to lesser that you know Queen's Park will be playing against big sides, but they're I mean, for the best will in the world. They're probably going to be losing. I imagine you, you imagine they're they're going to be losing most weeks, so it's not as easy to become enraptured by a team that are losing. I'm, so, I, I'm also not entirely sure that they'll play at lesser next season if they get promoted. I'm playing a stadium in the Premiership that's got a capacity of nine hundred. I, I'm not going to do that. I, I I just can't understand why would you not like if you're making a building a brand new ground, surely you would make the capacity for about three thousand. I look at Oakle View, Oakle View's got a capacity just shy of two thousand. You know, and, and it's when it's when it's rocking, which doesn't happen all that often, but when it's rocking it's a, a really, really good ground, and you think that, that that's something that, that, that Queen's Park should have known to say aspire to. But Oakle View's a perfectly good ground for the size of club. That 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 play in it, Oakleview is perfectly good, and Queen's Park now are becoming a bigger club. It just it f- feels like a a bit of a lack of foresight and and uh, uh, so even if they thought by this point in their uh, I, I hate to use this term, but journey, even if they thought they were only going to be a 
a, a decent League One team or a, a team in the Championship who were trying to stay in there, you still need a bigger stadium than that. I, I don't, I, I can't get my head around that at all. Well, they're, they're going to be, uh, that, that's, that, that's how it is. So imagine cramming, I'm just imagine if they were to play Rangers or Celtic at, at, at this ground. It's just, well, aye. I'd, I'd imagine that'll get moved to Hamden. Do you think that do you think that the people associated with the club are are, are surprised at just how the, the team have of grown? Is they, they probably couldn't have imagined when they went full time back in twenty is it twenty twenty they went full time that they would be at this stage. They uh, they maybe listened to our preview four hour preview pod uh, in July or August. They thought, oh, we're not needing we're not needing a." Uh, a three thousand stadium, nine hundred will be perfectly adequate. With no chance of getting promoted this season. No, I, I, I suspect they are uh, pleasantly surprised at, at how successful they've been over the last two or three seasons, and especially this season. I, I, I didn't see this coming at all. No, no, and on and, and top of that as well, I mean, there's a, a lot of stuff you can complain about that's going on off the pitch, and it's a shame because that does sort of taint the the whole journey, as it were, quote unquote. But just watching them in full flight, they, they are just brilliant to watch. And as you say, that attacking uh, quartet are, are, are just superb. However, they were certainly aided and abetted by some dreadful defending by Cove Rangers. And to the surprise of no one, Paul Hartley returned as manager. He replaced Jim McIntyre follows dismissal last week, uh, something that myself and Craig Fowler touted when we recorded a podcast. Uh, and when, when it, the news dropped the next day, I mean, we, we were so actually, to be fair, we were so completely certain that Paul Hartley would return. There was no other names <laughs> there. Had it been anywhere else other than, than Paul Hartley, I, I'd have been astonished. But absolutely colossal start. I mean, that's conceded 12 goals in their past two games. And and, and this one here, um, I mean, they really, really did not help themselves. Stuart McKenzie had a particularly poor game. Morgan Neal didn't look too clever. I know he was very close to joining an Aloe Athletic on loan until Hartley came in and Kai bossed the deal and wanted to keep him. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get that. I, I don't understand that at all. Mor- Mor- I, as far as I'm concerned, Morgan Neal isn't really good enough for the championship. So, I, I mean, unless unless Paul Hartley felt that there was, there was no chance of bringing another central defender in, during the transfer window, I, I, I found that. Do you, do you know something? Unless, unless he may still go out at, at, at another point uh, during January, I, I, I felt it was an odd, uh, an odd decision to, to to keep him. I know, I know, I know. Mark Reynolds could potentially come back in. Like, I, I, I know there was, I know there was a lot of players missing from their from their back four. Like Shea Logan uh, is injured at the moment. Uh, Jack Sanders, he didn't play at the weekend, did he? No, he's, no, he's, he, gone, he's gone back to Kilmarnock. He was already he was already back to Kelly by by that point, although he did play uh, and the uh, the humping previously. But I I kind of when Hartley came in, I, I, I mean I was surprised that McIntyre was kind of jettisoned. That's the first thing. When Hartley came in, I, I, I thought either but they'll be absolutely fine. They 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 might finish six as high as six. But now I'm looking through the squad. I'm like, mm, well, you know something if. I mean, Hamilton's not going to get their act together. If our both can get their act together, they might be in a wee bit of bother. Based on the based on the last based on this game here, because I, I wasn't able to see the highlights for the for the Venice Caledonian Thistle game, but based on this here, it looked like a team that was massively out of their depth. I think they had a good chance after Simon Murray took the lead. It was basically Stuart McKenzie passed the ball to him 
<laughs> and he was able to finish. They had a really good chance. I think it was McClellan headed over the crossbar and he really should have scored from that and that might have changed the complexion of the game. But Queen's Park were just, like like we say, Queen's Park are just a, a very good attacking uh, prospect. But the way they, they, they seem to capitulate, I mean, I watched it back and it was hard to tell if this is a professional football side or a bunch of jobbers at fives. <laughs> When it goes like 9, 10, 11, 12 at, at fives. It was, it, was... It, very, it very much looked like they're down tools. Uh, I know I know Hartley has, has brought a couple of players in. I always quite like Declan Glass. Listen, that noise would suggest that you're not quite no. as uh, impressed. Declan Glass, it was sensational at Cove Rangers in League Two. And I remember seeing him and you think, uh, what on earth is this guy doing at this level? And that he's got all, got all the tools to to develop and become like a, a regular first team player for for Dundee United and someone who can subsequently be sold on for for, for profit. But I don't think it's quite worked out for him since then. I think it, his time at Partick Thistle, he was he was injured. His time at Kilmarnock wasn't particularly successful. And I think this this loan spell to me from the outside looking in, it sort of feels like. Let, let's stick it like basically like it's like a rehabilitation sort of for him let's, let's stick him back in an environment where he's comfortable where he's done well in the past with a manager who's really been able to get the best out of him uh, and, and, and see how it goes but I've been disappointed I don't mean there's a number of factors there but I've just been disappointed with uh, Glass's he hasn't quite hit the levels I might have expected from from having seen him in League 2 previously I, I know what you mean but I do think he's been uh affected by injuries in the past but you're right it, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's if he's able to, to kind of come back for that Brody Patterson uh, I'm, I'm not sure he was already like, at he looked, Airdrie he looked at Airdrie uh, he was on trial at Starts Park at the at the beginning of the season obviously didn't do so well uh, down south but again is that the, the kind of player that's that's going to keep them out of bother I'm, I'm not so sure no I, I don't know either um, but it's just it's interesting when you, you hear like the obviously we're going to come on and talk about basically the part two I think Fowler and I did the podcast last week when we looked at teams that had changed their managers and this is like basically like so what happened next and I think that we'll talk about Steny but, but Stennis Muir you did see a reaction from the new manager coming in you could see players visibly looked sharper, looked more aggressive, looked like they were trying harder under the new manager. It certainly did not seem the case here. And and you're right, I didn't appreciate that that I I, I perhaps thought that the championship was like our broth and Hamilton Ackies were completely uh, adrift at the bottom. That's not necessarily the case. I think there's what was about without checking, four or five points between Cove and our broth. Uh, it's not a chasm, certainly. Put it that way. No, it's not a chasm, but I and, I, and it feels like I, I know we 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 didn't necessarily plan on talking about our growth. I just think I've had quite a good, I think I've had quite a good January window so mm. far. And as much as uh, as much as they had a really poor result uh, on Saturday, kind of felt like they played a wee bit better. Uh, and I I I, th- I suspect that Arbroath's second half of the season will be better than their first half. Whether that's enough to to catch up with the teams ahead of them, I I I, I don't know. But I, I I wouldn't say they were out of it. Put it that way. Who was the player that they brought in from Queens Park Rangers? Is supposed to be pretty good. And he scored twice against Dundee. Oh. Uh, no, was that him that had the three assists against Dundee? Yes, I beg your pardon, sorry, yes. I, I can't remember what his name is, but he... They actually, they actually signed him in October. Really? They oh signed him in October, goodness. but they couldn't... It turned out that they couldn't register him. 
So they basically said, if you are happy to wait it out, we'll come back again in January. Is that right? I I did not know yeah. that. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's they, announced, they announced his signing in October, but then it, it fell through somehow. Uh, but he they, they, they went back for him and, and registered, registered him, essentially, in January. Yasin Ben Elmani. Also the also the player that put in that set piece that the commentator said, ah, cheesy peeps. Right, well, there's we've we've gone from uh, bigging up our bro, so with, with light comes shade, and unfortunately, that's just uh, <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling that like that was something I was I was I was going to talk about is like when we do these podcasts, we rely on like you rely on match highlights really to do it. We, we kind of go hand in hand. It's match highlights and 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 reading comments and pine bovel because they're sort of two go together, helping you get a, an idea of the game as well as your your own previous experience. What these players, I think that that's certainly how 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 I do it. And there are some teams that that we just can't really talk about because we don't have access to the footage. Now I can understand, like Dundee and Partick Thistle, for instance, like putting their highlights behind the paywall because if you've got a fat, you've got you've got quite big fan bases, they can afford to do that and make money from it. So you say, I don't like that. However, I can see the sense in it. But when I look, watch highlights, like for instance, like the highlights watching, watching like the Falkirk TV package highlights, which is which is which is really good. I mean, it's got its flaws, but it's really good. Bonnie Rig Rosie's my last package, very good. Stennis Muir's highlights package, or other the fact it's pixel art, generally quite good. And there's all these smaller teams that are producing really good highlights. Why are we not getting highlights for like Hamilton Ackies or Inverness on a on a regular basis? How, how come there's they're just just I don't want to sound like Grant Russell or anything like that, but fucking. <laughs> Like, get your get your act together and and just start producing like highlights packages so we can do it. It's just it's just so frustrating that, that, that there are some teams who are who are producing like really good highlights packages that will go out at twelve o'clock on Sunday morning. That'll go out there and you can you can spend all your Sunday morning watching these highlights packages. Aloha are good at doing it as well. Sorry, and there's other teams that don't do it as frequently and understand. <laughs> volunteers and it's, it's a it's a skill job and you shouldn't if you if it's a skill why should you do it for free but the same token it's just frustrating and it's really frustrating because I feel like we're being this podcast we're talking about Queen's Park and, and Wraith Rovers and, and, and Falkirk and Dunfell and teams that we've spoken about just recently but it's because these are the teams that we've only really got access to I, I, I think uh, I think the one that really bothers me so so you're right you're right about Hamilton uh, but you're also right about the the kind of volunteer nature of of who produces highlights and, and it's not just filming it it's editing it and 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 adding graphics and all the rest of it which you're obviously you're obviously aware of i suppose for hamilton like they, they don't have that many fans so i suppose from the the, the 700 people that turn up or whatever it is or, or 800 900 home fans whatever they've got the fact that one of them needs to be pretty good at that and wants to do it I suppose that there's a slightly less chance of them being able to supply it because of the nature of, of who they are the, the one that really gets me is, is Air United because they they were a, excellent they, 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 they did an excellent they, highlights they package more fans and, and, and so they have more chance of, of, of them being able to do it but they had somebody who was doing it and they were doing it like really well I mean their highlights package was I, I thought very good I, I I don't know the story of what happened there, but now they're not doing it, and now their highlights are absolutely dreadful. I haven't watched any air highlights that have been produced by them for for for. Remember, we did them. They played a game. I can't remember. I had to watch them. Somebody filmed the match on their phone and uploaded it to YouTube. 
As a cross between any given Sunday, the film <laughs> Goal and the Blair Witch Project, it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's not how you want to experience uh, your, your, your football match highlights. It's just it's just a frustration. I don't want to sound like like the people like certainly on social media and Twitter, the people I find the most tedious are the people that complain about like the SPFL and broadcasting and, and so on. I think that's Division a, a deals. Like I talk about the comparing it to the MLS and so on. That's just does not interest me. However, maybe I should maybe this is all like part of the same the same problem that, that clubs aren't aren't doing highlights. It's just it's frustrating when you see Wraith Rovers and Falkirk and Stenhouse Muir and Alwa, the highlights are going out regularly and it's just that the other teams aren't doing it and it just affects it affects us doing this podcast, it affects us doing like a view from the terrace, for instance. And it's I I just oh. But that's it, I suppose that's one of the things though, Sean, you'll know as well. When you become a volunteer, it's it's quite you're effectively giving I know a volunteer you're effectively giving up your free time obviously that's what a volunteer is but but you you know what I mean it's like you're, you're giving up your time and then it becomes quite difficult to to get out of that you know people begin to rely on you I I I, I mean I've never been involved in in putting together highlights but like when I did the the match reports for for Wraith uh, like even even if it was a home game like I have I've done the the vast majority of the report at the game then I get up the road in the house at whatever it is half five quarter to six I half five uh, sit down start to kind of reread what I've done change it then I kind of upload it to the background of the website then start then start kind of reading over it again and then make changes and, and edit it and, and probably it was like maybe let's say it was kind of anything between like half six and seven by the time I'd finished but that's still it's still like a big it's still like a, a I suppose a big ask. Bear in mind it's your weekend and it's now seven o'clock on a Saturday night. Saturday on a Saturday night, night. aye. So, so people that are that are kind of editing highlights packages. I mean, fair play to them. It's it is a big undertaking. Yeah, no, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I just think that I mean, when when I volunteered for for the club, it was the stadium announcer, and and to me that was effectively you're not going out your way to do anything because. I mean, you, you pitch up at the game like a like an hour early, like you're in there for like like two o'clock to get the, the sound and stuff going. But that's it. That that's all you. That's all the demand in your time. It's like you are going somewhere. You were going anyway, so it's it's not too it's not too difficult a thing to to, to do. Whereas see, see see when you see when you played the music at Steny, did you? Am I right in saying that you once played about the same the same song? Four or five times, and somebody told you to, to put it off. I it was uh, during Christmas. It was "Indulge Jubilo" by Michael Oldfield. <laughs> How many times did you play it? Uh, I think it got to four before somebody comes. He, he was doing the, the sort of the the, the the he's pointing up, obviously pointing at the tower and just doing the slitty throat, sort of like kill it, kill it. Which is, uh, which is a shame because uh, like Jubilee like, is a decent song but not not four times I no, thought it was no, it was a very Andy Kaufman-esque sort <laughs> of uh, thing but Andy Kaufman and Lower League Scottish Football do not go together <laughs> no the, the crowd the crowd would have had their fill the, the crowd certainly had their fill all, uh, all 12 of them uh, but, <laughs> but Sean we're, we're going to you, you mentioned Wraith Rovers there and we're, we're going to stick with Wraith Rovers because uh, a couple of things we want to talk about we'll, we'll talk about what happened last night they beat Queen's Park as you mentioned earlier <clears> 1-0 in the SPFL Trust Trophy but but the high point was a goal 
for Big John Fredrickson, who a very well taken goal it was too. That was a good finish. You, you know when like you know when like you leave a game uh, on a, on a Saturday or or in, in midweek, and you're just happy that like your team's won. Like that wasn't the case last night. Like last night, I was as pleased for John Fredrickson as I was about the fact <laughs> uh, that and, and like this might sound like this might sound quite silly, right? But I've I I've had the way that I think about John Fredrickson is similar to how I felt about Fernando Mendy. Mm, what I, mean oh, by I know that what is, you mean. I know what you mean. But <laughs> I know this sounds really silly. But sometimes I was sitting in my flat and I'm like, I hope John Fredrickson's okay. <laughs> What I mean by that is, like, is so obviously he's, he's he now lives in a, a different country. He is away from his support network of friends and 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 family. He isn't doing particularly well at at Starts Park. He is presumably being put up in a a pretty basic flat and probably doesn't have that many people to talk to. Uh, as far as I'm aware, he is he, he quite likes going to the the, the chip shop uh, for for his tea. But I just think to myself, that must be quite a difficult thing to do if you're not doing particularly well at a club in a in a foreign country and you're away from your support network. So I was I was absolutely uh, kind of praying for him last night, and you know something, fair play to him. He I, I I am not saying for a second that that proves that he is good enough for uh, the championship. But you know something, it was a good laugh. It was he had, he had a good finish, and after that, he almost scored the mm, goal of the season. Of I was really really annoyed at Callum Ferry because oh, it was boy. like the, it was the last second. It was like the game was done. It was the last second. Just let it go in. <laughs> uh, it was a, a, a sensational save. But I, you know something, fair play to him. That he is the. He is the epitome of cult hero. See yeah. if he was from, see if he was from Fraserburgh rather than the Faroe Islands. Rovers fans would be booing him. Ah, like they'd be booing him. You're push, you're push, John. But he's for the Faroes, so they think he's great. Ah, no, you're absolutely. I think that that comparison with Fernandy Mendy is, uh, is is quite apt. It's like a real someone who like a fish out of water sort of thing. And on top of that, there's some like with Fernandy Mendy. There was something quite endearing about him. I think that he, particularly when it was, he was alone at Kelpie Hearts, I'm sure it was like he really sort of took to like Scottish culture and he became a bit of a cult hero. I remember the video on walking in the dressing room dressed as a joker and everybody just went, everybody's <laughs> 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 I never saw it. I never, never saw that. I'll need to, I'll need to look that up. But I saw that, that there was, I only saw the headlines. I, I, I had uh, run out. I'd exhausted my courier subscription for this month reading Jim Spence's shite column so I couldn't actually go in to, to read the stuff about rovers that Craig Cairns had written. But I'm sure the headline was something like Ian Murray had spoken to Fredrickson. Yeah. So, so that was interesting and it, it kind of confirmed what a lot of Rovers fans have been thinking which was like this isn't just a, an issue with is Fredrickson good enough so see when he's on the bench and you're 3-0 up against Auchin like Talbot and you're still not bringing him on mm, like yeah. a, a game where you think right, well, let, let's get him on maybe he can grab a goal and maybe that'll boost his confidence like he just hasn't been coming on and uh, Murray I can't remember exactly what he said but basically, uh, there was a conversation around the fact that Murray needed to see more on the training ground, essentially. So it sounded like he, would, he maybe wasn't the best trainer mm-hmm. uh, in the world. Not just not just a lack of ability, uh, but but not a particularly great trainer. And he said that if he hadn't seen more, and I'm trying to think how he what the phrase was, I think he said, then they were going to have to go in a different direction. 
Now, to be fair, bear in mind the Rovers only had two substitutes last night. Whether whether he has been trying particularly hard in training or whether it was just we're so much down to the bare bones we're forced into using him, who knows? I, I suspect he's, he probably has has been a bit of an upturn in, in training, judging by what Ian Murray was saying in the, in, in the interview. But mm-hmm. it kind of confirmed what a lot of people had thought. It, it's not just... It's not just he's, he, he isn't quite good enough. There's Something's been happening behind the scenes that Murray hasn't been happy with. I think you mentioned that there, so when you said about the, he's got a fondness for chips, like that's that, that's not really that's not really going to help. Maybe. I've I, I've I've heard the rumor that he is uh, in chip shops often. Well, that's good. Do do you think then this is the this is going to kickstart? Like his his career at Wraith Rovers, or do you think that he's sort of like, well, he's got his goal, he's probably going to be away at the end of the season. I I think he'll end the season on two goals. <laughs> well, listen, I, I suppose I, you know, sort of watching the game. I tell you, by the way, sorry, just jumping back, so I watched the highlights. Tell you who's rubbish, Stephen Easy uh, at Queens Park. He's, oh, he's terrible. He's, oh, he's, he's murder. Like that, he was him that gave the ball away that, that ultimately led to the goal. And I think that you saw with with Queens Park. I mean, there's a bit of a drop off. I mean, I suppose like most teams though at that level, it's not like Manchester City or, or anything like that. There is a drop off between your first eleven. But but uh, Eze, I'll be I'll be Eze that soon around. So Eze, um, like looks the part. And actually, I remember seeing it's like you see two wrestlers in the ring. Seeing him and John Fredrickson next to you, think, well, they don't look that big. But that's because they're, they're they're both relative to one another. If you if I was to walk next to <laughs> to Stephen Eze and John Frexen I'd be like fucking hell they're absolutely enormous so I was hoping for a sort of big you ever seen um, Street Fighter the movie? Uh, not all the way through I've seen parts of it right okay well I don't know if you've seen this part but there's a bit where E Honda fights Zangief uh, and it's just two big lads uh, just just throwing each other about that's what this reminded that's me of that's a good comparison isn't it? that's a good comparison aye mm-hmm. um, I've not seen it just, just big lads uh, chucking each other around. Maybe, maybe some of our listeners have, uh, have have seen it. Yeah, if you have seen it, please mention it in the Discord. Uh, use the the topic Street Fighter the movie, and uh, Sean and I might read it. Um, we, we, we Sean Sean's shaking and said no no no, and he's mouthing the word cesspit at me. As, <laughs> as, 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 uh, no, no, I didn't just mouth the words uh, nah. cesspit. No, he, he he did mouth the word cesspit, but then he also mouthed, please continue your Patreon subscriptions as well. So Sean, Sean's, Sean's playing with fire here at the moment. But Sean, just, just before we move on from Wraith Rovers, an, an hour-long interview with the chairman, John Sim, was published at, well, around lunchtime today. Have you had a chance to listen to it at all? No, it, it's probably, as, as much as it lasts about an hour and nine minutes, it's probably... It's just because John Sim talks very slowly. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably only like 17 minutes of chat. I saw the... I read in Pine Bovril. I haven't listened to it myself. I read some comments in Pine Bovril. And the, the tone was generally like... Uh, there wasn't anything controversial in there, which was a, which was a bit of a, a relief. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, uh, that's a box tick that I did not think we'd be able to tick. Because my goodness, he is uh, he's some boy when it comes to opening his mouth. He, jeez, uh, oh, he, he certainly is. No, I, I suppose it was just really about the the ownership of the club. It's obviously still up for sale. There's something to do with a a Swiss agent that's that's sort of involved <laughs> in the background. Am I, am I right in saying that? So, uh, so in terms of the Swiss agent, so uh, they were contacted to say that the Silver Bear, which was a company in Hong Kong, uh, would have been interested in potentially buying the club. However, they had a 
like in a Swiss go-between, essentially. Uh, somebody, I can't remember his first name, his surname's Delios. Uh, he... He he basically was suggesting that we should sign some players. Then this company in Hong Kong, Silver Bear, which appeared to be legit, I, I was less sure how legit Delios was. Uh, so we should sign these three or four players, and then the the money would come in from Hong Kong. There was no guarantees whatsoever from Delios or Silver Bear where this funding was coming from. No guarantees that the Silver Bear were going to buy the club or even invest in the club. And uh, Delios, one of the players that Delios wanted us to sign was his own son, who plays for Evro, an Evro Academy in Glasgow, and I believe has been on trial at Spartans, Broomhill, Edinburgh, and Berwick. And the, I don't know if you saw a quote about the about the 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 player from one of the world's biggest clubs. No, I didn't. I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around like, like if you if you're not good enough to to sort of go with with the sort of like like teams in the Lowland League, I'm just struggling to think that why you'd be able to make the step up into the Scottish Championship. A bit of a leap. Aye, aye, that it, it, it was never going to be good enough. Uh, and I believe the the, the loan signing from the world's biggest clubs was a a teenager from Man City. That's exciting. They're a good team. Aye, yeah. I suppose you've got to ask there if, if he's so good why is he alone at Wraith Rovers uh, bye uh, yeah so exciting times ahead for the Rovers <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know something see the thing about the see the thing about the interview today I, I got the impression that John Sim isn't that fussed about selling up I, I don't think he particularly wants to sell up from, from what I gather for people who have watched it I think he's keen to get new investment mm-hmm. but I also think that he is happy to stay around and he seems to be like he seems that well he is footing the bill in terms of any losses that they make each year. And I kinda get the impression he, he's still okay with doing that until somebody else steps in. I think he said something along the lines of he and and I think this kind of uh plays in with, with what's happened in this Delios slash silver bear uh scenario. That he doesn't just he's not gonna give it to anybody. He he does genuinely want to give it to somebody who has the rover's interest at heart, I suppose. Okay. But but that can only that can only go on so long. Like he's he's not the world's youngest man, and there, there, there's no uh, there's no succession plan in place, and there needs to be at some point. But regardless, I'm, we'll see what happens. Okay, okay. Now let's uh, go from the the middle of the championship. That's a terrible link. Let's go from the middle of the championship to the top of League One. Yeah, <laughs> why Why not? Why not? And I just we might as well briefly touch on the, the race at the top of the, the table. We, um, Dunfermline beat FC Edinburgh 1-0. Falkirk beat Montrose 2-1. Still, uh, Ed Dunfermline have still got a pretty decent gap over and above them. And both teams have got two games in hand on Edinburgh. Edinburgh still in second, but both sides have got two games in hand over them. And I think it's going to... I still think Dunfermline are going in the league, but I can imagine Falkirk overtaking Edinburgh at some point and and cementing themselves as the the best of the rest. Sean, thoughts on the cl- the battle at the top of the third tier? I was there's a seven points at the moment. I I think Dunfermline. I think Dunfermline will extend that that lead. I think they'll win. I think they'll win League One quite comfortably. I know. I know Falkirk put in one of their better performances against Montrose uh, at the weekend and on top of that Aidan Nesbitt had probably the, the, the game of his best game of his Falkirk career there he was absolutely superb at the weekend 
Uh, it was very good. So was and and again, you know, something we we talked about the fact that uh, Queens Park they've found a balance where defensively they can protect things and allow their kind of forward four to to get in amongst uh, the opponents. And kind of felt like Falkirk were able to do that against Montrose at the weekend. As in, like Callum Morrison had a good game. Uh, Kai Kennedy had a good game. You've mentioned this, but I mean Gary Oliver, like I, I think, might have been up front. Uh, regardless, uh, I, I, the fact that they've lost uh, Juan Alegria, I, I, I think it's a wee bit of a blow to Falkirk. But yeah. we'll see if, if they can bring anybody else in. However, what I would say, even though as impressive as they were against Montrose and thoroughly deserved their three points, Montrose still had some really good chances. Like, like oh, to show Blair Lyons. See, see the one where Blair Lyons got put through and goal, and then just basically just about to shoot and then, then just stumbles. Aye, that was just like uh, just like ah, just you're just about to shoot and then just just completely fluffs his lines. And, and that's the difference between uh, Falkirk and Dunfermline. Dunfermline's got I think is it eleven clean sheets in the mm. league this season. I mean that's I mean that's. A, a stupendous record, uh, considering where we are at, at, at this point in the season. And I just, I, I don't. I, the thing about the Firmin versus uh, Edinburgh was, and, and and do you know something against other opponents as well? There's, and I understand the, I understand this opinion that the Firmin are grinding out results, are grinding out one 0 wins, and they're grinding oh. out victories. That, but they're but they're creating chances. I was, I was going to say, I mean, they, they could be Edinburgh by they could be Edinburgh by four at the weekend. They're just they're not clinical, and if that clicks, they'll start to sweep teams aside. You're absolutely right in what you said there. Like watching those highlights, like being, I think Craig White scored quite early into the game. Craig White scored in the the twentieth minute. Prior to him scoring, they they created probably about two or three really good chances. Uh, not just not half that. chances, like genuine good chances. Stars. Yeah, I mean, I like I was watching the highlights for that game, and I, w- I watched up until the goal because it felt like I was watching something. Like, I mean, I'm going to refer him again, Jim Spence, like like sort of the shite that he shares on his on his horrible rancid Twitter account, like where it's like someday from this match from the sixties, he'd be like, "Oh, my brother used to go to the games, and then he then he pop over with a pay and, and go and see somebody doing the dry gate." You know, like that shite, and it's where it's like the folk are just like like jam packed like in this round this like sort of rickety stadium. But where the camera was placed, it was sort of like a well away from the halfway line with not a fantastic vantage point. So it was like, like just show me Whiten's goal, and then like get like, me out of here, like get get, get me out of here. Uh, so I, I I I can't really particularly comment on that game, but you do have to to say that was an absolutely uh, supreme run. From uh, Kyle McDonald down the down the right hand side to to set a Whiten's goal. It, it wasn't ah, it, it wasn't the best of defending uh, at, at the same time. But no, you're right. It was a, it was a good it was a good run from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd say fair play to the Falkirk TV for showing the they had a shot that hit the crossbar and it looked as though it had crossed the line in real time, but they showed it down frame by frame like the assassination of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see that the ball, like it looked like that on the screen, but uh, it showed you that the ball actually was had had bounced uh, not over the line. So so back so, into the left, back into the left. Do you know something? I've watched the goal a few times, and I I still kind of make up my mind because I know and, and it looks like an optical illusion. So somebody falls into the net, which obviously causes a ripple in the net, but it does look like. 
the ball also causes a ripple, and for that to happen, it must have crossed the line. Listen, it's probably like a Amoeba strip. Probably the more the more you think about it, the the more complicated it gets. Speaking of, like, I think that was a really important win for Falker, not just to keep pace with Dunfermline, or not to say keep. They are keeping pace with Dunfermline. They match their results. So they are keeping pace. But the fact is, Montrose have been a massive pain in the arse for for them since they. So, so not not since they got relegated, but particularly over the last couple of years. Like last season, I was looking back at the record. Montrose took ten points from Falkirk last season beaten three times driven once and this season they've drawn them twice already so they, they, they've become a bit of a bogey team for, for Falkirk I think that was a really important to get that monkey off their backs to some extent I think it does summarise where where both clubs now are this season in terms of Falkirk have appointed listen we can talk about John McGlynn about how good he is but like it, like he is a, he is a decent manager they've, they've appointed a decent manager at long last and I, I thought he was ideally placed to, to get them out yeah. of League One and, and still might be. And I do think he has made uh, Falkirk a far better side this season than they have been for. Since he had Declan Amanis playing up front when, when Wraith pipped him uh, deservedly uh, to League One title. Montrose, on the other hand, are like a few clubs in League One. It just feels like they've regressed. Like maybe like they've lost players that they haven't replaced. They we we felt like maybe with uh, Rory McAllister, maybe the which was felt like a upfront uh, a position they were lacking uh, over the last few seasons. That hasn't really worked out. And defensively, again, maybe some players have are just getting towards the the kind of latter stages to their career. And I don't know it that. Montrose are not as certainly not as good a, a side as we've expected them to be over the last three seasons or so. I, I didn't realise how poor form they're in. They haven't won in their last eight matches in all competitions, and and some of the results that have come from them, they were they were like not just like beaten but thrashed by Darville in in the Scottish Cup, beating them five two at Links Park. They also drew nil nil with Peterhead, and like. Like perhaps that isn't a bad result, but everyone else is beating Peterhead. Peterhead are a bit of the whipping boys in in the division, so you should be going to these games like for a team with Montrose's aspirations. That's to get into the top four, and you should be looking to to to, to beat Peterhead. But either this, you're you're perhaps right in terms of the impression that there might be a bit of freshen up. I'm sure we spoke about it um, right in our preview podcast that. It's maybe the sort of thing that that Stuart Petrie is going to have to do at some point. I mean, what Sean Dillon's what about thirty eight, thirty nine? Yeah, it must be. And Sean Dillon's a smashing player. Sean Sean Dillon's been a been a brilliant player for Montrose. I mean, it's not for me to say, but I imagine he would go down as a bit of a Montrose legend for the for the stuff that he's that, no, that, uh, what he's that, a, that, he's achieved with that, the club. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I was I was looking at Edinburgh and. Based on based on how they played on on Saturday, which maybe isn't the best game to gauge them on, because they seem to always struggle against Dunfermline, and, and we've seen them against and other Falker, teams and, and, and Queen of and, the and South. And, and, and yes, and, and why why Queen of the South? I, I, I don't know. Uh, but you watch them against others, like Airdrie, for example, and they always yeah. seem to absolutely uh, pulverise them. But I watched that game on Saturday. I was like, uh, certainly the highlights of the weekend. I thought, right, well, just something. Maybe they won't. Maybe Edinburgh won't finish in the top four. But then I was looking at, well, who can catch them up? And I, I'm not entirely sure anybody can. So, I mean, I, I fancy Dunfermline to win it. I fancy Falkirk to finish second. Can Airdrie catch them up? Maybe. Can Montrose catch them up? But I, I don't think so. Queen of the South, who, who we'll probably talk about, maybe they can put a run together now. They've got Marvin Bartley, but 
almost by default, I think, Edinburgh, even though they, I, I watch them often and think, actually, you only that startling. But then we said that last season and they got promoted. So, yeah. goodness knows. Now, I, I think Edinburgh will, will finish in one of the top four spots. I think so. It'll be interesting to see what they do. There are three players that they've taken on loan from Hiberni and have returned. That's uh, Jack Bryden, who's subsequently signed on a two-and-a-half-year contract for Queen's, uh, Queen of the South. Come on and talk about them in a second. Alan Delferrier Delf- has left, and so is Emmanuel Johnson. So it'll be interesting to see. There's obviously uh, there's probably room to do a bit of business for them in the, in the summer, but we might as well move on and talk about uh, Queen of the South because they've perhaps made one of the most intriguing managerial appointments, I think, um, this season, actually. Uh, he's been I, linked to... He's been, I mean, Marvin Ballett has been linked with a, a, a few teams now and it was always... It was inevitable that he was he was going to go somewhere. Like, you, like you knew that he had... Uh, that that was something that he was interested in, being, being his own man, I suppose. And... Uh, I mean, obviously a lot of how successful a manager is is, is how good he is in terms of recruiting players. Fucking hell. That- I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that. In terms of recruiting players, I mean, you, he's been in the job since what? Earlier this Sunday? Been in the job since Sunday? And he has signed one of the best goalkeepers in the division already uh, by signing Kevin Dubrovsky on loan from uh, Hibernian. I'm sure like Lee Johnson had said that their team was, that the Hibernian squad was too big and there would be players moving out the way. And so they signed Jack Bryden a two and a half year contract. So that's a, a young defender. I think he's okay. Jack Bryden, quite versatile, can play centre-back, can play at right-back. So that's a position that, that, that Queen's need upgrading in is defensively. He's certainly one for the future, but he is Dubrovsky is about 10 times the goalkeeper Max Curry is brilliant signing Dubrovsky will be the best goalkeeper in in League 1 in in my opinion by by quite a good bit but even in terms of how good he is at 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 recruiting I I suppose we'll we'll maybe get a better idea I suppose in in, uh, the summer window but see like I know you and me have, have met him on the the show. He was part of the, the the live show as well. We see him on television when he's when he's doing his uh, kind of media stuff. But and although it's although you can't say for sure, in terms of things that I presume a manager needs to be good at in the dressing room, in terms of knowing when to put an arm around somebody, knowing when to put a, a rocket up their arse, in terms of getting his points across in terms of winning or earning respect with players I expect Marvin Bartley will be good yeah. at, at all of those things so uh, I, I think it's a good appointment I do I think the I think the guy's fucking class like and we've met him we're lucky enough to meet him a couple of times met him on a view from the terrace met him at the, the uh, terrace live show I also met him I was working at the, the business club for the Scottish FA I can't remember which game it was might have been against Ukraine or Republic of Ireland but he was in the business club with Ailey Barber and I, I said this is the third time I met him so he's alright oh, what are you doing here and I, I actually genuinely meant it like that and then as soon as I said it I said, well, I said what a stupid question obviously you're, to, you're both here to watch the football but no he's a, a really cool guy and, and it's like the, that. you're absolutely right in terms of that um, that, that communication because he, he comes across well I said, God, I sound like Kenny McIntyre there he speaks so well you know like he comes he comes across really well on, on sports and he's got, he's got interest in opinions and that and I think that that in terms of recruitment he's off to a really good start. The fact that that I think David Martindale said earlier today that there are people he enjoys working with like or he helps out that's Dick Campbell, uh, Doogie Emery 
and now Marvin Bartley. So players will go there. So there'll probably be the chance, I think, Jay's Cabia, Cabia mm-hmm. might go there from yeah. Morton. Played well in fits and starts there. Played well in fits and starts at Falkirk when he was only there previously, but maybe Marvin Bartley might be the person to get a tune out of him. He might form a good partnership up front with uh, Rudy Payton. But I think more than anything else, more than anything else, and this is perhaps less about Bartley and less about the situation that Queens find themselves in at the moment, this is the perfect time to become the, the Queen of the South manager. Because you're, you're in a position, you're eighth place in League One at the moment, which is unacceptable for a full-time team at the moment. But they, but they can't go any lower. Bene- I, beneath you are two abject sides who are miles off it. Miles off it. That's Clyde and Peterhead. And above you, all it takes is couple of positive results and you could easily find yourself going into that that top four which is perhaps where, where I think we all expected uh, where Queen should be so and then even if that doesn't happen you still get the benefit of the doubt because ah they're not his players uh, the team they're, they're, they're not confident they're not used to winning so You've got all these factors where if you if you do well, you can make a sense. Obviously, you do well, you can make an immediate success. And even if you do badly, there's no chance of it getting any worse. I mean, it would take something monumental for for like them to to get in any immediate relegation danger. But it's a great time to be taking over the the club. And 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 the thing as well, they they have a habit of taking the leading games. So I think. Oh, I never double checked, but I believe it's something like they've lost twenty-one or twenty-two points this season from winning positions. So in terms of in terms of getting their noses in front, that's not the issue. Quite often, I watch games of Queen of South and they can't finish teams off. So that's the first thing. So as much as as much as Rudy Payton is having a good season, he, he could have had about seventy-five goals this season. Like he's not particularly clinical. If they could finish teams off and then not crumble when the momentum in games swings back against them, then they'll be in a far better position. And ah, you would imagine having Bartley in charge uh, gives them a, a reasonable chance of doing that but without knowing what he's like as a manager. I, I totally appreciate that. But in terms of what I've seen, uh, I would I would expect them to be, give them a chance. I mean, they're not a million miles away from from top four. And as you say, even if he can put in some kind of reasonable improvement this season Queen of South fans will very much buy into that I'm just we're recording this podcast on Thursday night I'm just checking Twitter just now Sean Queen of South have just announced that Marvin Bartley has become their manager on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) why are they so like see see their match updates I I cannot see when they used to every Saturday used to tweet out the word test. <laughs> I, they're, they're one of my favourite SPFL Twitter accounts. I suppose this comes from I mean, they obviously they played on Tuesday night against Kelty Hearts in the SPFL Trust Trophy. They won that match on penalties, but like Kelty Hearts, the, their Twitter account, they were tweeting like like as soon as it happened, full time we got into penalties, and when they had finished tweeting about the match, they said that, that Queens had won on penalties. But Queen of the South are just tweeting that the match is finished. And then the way they, they tweeted was like it was the match had gone to extra time. And it was like seven minutes of extra time. There were six goals scored to win 4-2. It just didn't make any sense. Uh, they'd, so 
Queen of the South eventually said that they'd won on penalties 15 minutes after Kelly Hurts. It's like, I can't be, like, that's nothing to do with, like, reception, because presumably the person who's updating for Kelly is sitting next to the person who's updating for Queen of the South, or very close to them. <laughs> Marvin is off to, I say Marvin, it's like Marvin Bartley's Queen of the South. That's how we're going to have to start uh, referring to them from now on. But they've got a, a pretty decent assignment at the weekend. They're to Lynx Park, taking on Montrose. As we mentioned, Montrose not in good form at the moment in Queens, although they haven't been playing well that season they did thrash them 4-0 in the, the last meeting do you think they can Marvin Bartlett get off to a good start I, I think it's a good litmus test for them and I would be I wouldn't be surprised if, if Queen of South win it, as bad as bad as Queen of South have been this season I mean like the worst like you know, there's always I always think it's a, uh, a very funny tag to be the worst full time team uh, in Scotland and Queen of South presumably will end up at Maybe we'll be we'll have that target season. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they take something, potentially all three points from uh, Montrose at the weekend. See, just on that, the worst full time team in Scotland is it still Dunfermline from the thirteen fourteen season that 14, finished seventh. Beg your pardon, the fourteen fifteen season that finished seventh. Uh, I uh, yes, Falkirk finishing sixth, didn't they the last season? Yes. Yeah, so it's still, it's still done firmly. Lovely bit of business. Good. <laughs> aye, aye, so imagine that. So, so who knows that, that Queens, they could they could be the worst full-time team in, in Scotland. That takes, uh, that'll take some doing. But listen, it wouldn't be a lower league podcast if we didn't talk about the pride of FK5, the love of my life, and everyone's new favourite second team, Stenhouse Muir <laughs> Football Club. Oh, come on, you think there's, there must be punters that listen to this show that, that look out for the Steny result. There must be. Probably, I, I just laughed at your uh, everyone's everyone's favourite second team. Well, who's your favourite second team? Cowden Beath. Oh, right. Do you know? Do you know, care a wee bit about Steny when they run? You got a wee pop when they win. I no. I, I'd, I'd like to see them do well. I, I, I wouldn't say they're one of my favourite second team. I like Wraith Rovers. I want to see them do well. Yes, and and I've, I've literally just said I would like Steny to yeah. do well. They're not my favourite second team. Uh, I suppose mine's, mine's is Queen's Park uh, uh-huh. which is weird because normally your, your, your second team should be smaller than the other team but not my other teams it's like, <laughs> Queen's Park and now your big team uh, that's like, who do you support Rangers and Stennis Muir <laughs> that's it uh, no I, I, I don't I don't support Rangers I just want well, no, not that longer I just want, 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 want to clarify um I, I agree with a lot of the things they stand for but <laughs> sorry, I can't say, I'm sorry I'm, 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 I'm kidding on I'm, 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 I'm kidding on you can see I'm seeing that with a smile going I hope this is coming across I'm, I'm being, being I'm, I'm, I'm being uh, I, I, mean, I mean I can see that but I can see your face yeah sure, sure we can see. Listen, anyway, anyway that aside how are you feeling about Gary Nesmith's appointment very good Sean very good I would say for the first time in a long time the place has got a bit of a buzz about it as they say in the business uh, Stennis Weir beat Stranraer 2-1 on Saturday two very very good uh, goals from Matty Yates won the tie uh, and it was a sort of real game of two halves it's something we've, we've just come to accept from, from Stenhouse Muir since, uh, since Stephen Swift was in charge that the team are, are very capable of performing in one half but are, are generally quite poor in the second that was much the case here uh, so the, the Sunrar were for about 20 minutes completely dominated the game but just couldn't create any decent chances 
um, and just effectively ran out of time. And it was good, Sean. It was good. It was good since we hadn't won a game in the league since the start of October when they beat Bonnie Rig at New Dundas Park. So to actually win a game of football at home, it just felt good, man. It just felt really good. I, I was looking at, at, at Steny's managers and they seem to have taken like every every conceivable different approach to appointing a manager. Oh, as yes. in somebody who is a, a former player with... A, a, no, not a former Steny player, sorry. A, a recently retired player with, with not that much experience. Somebody like... Scott Booth hmm. then they had a, a previous legend somebody like uh, Brown Ferguson uh, Ferguson they've had somebody who had uh, success at a lower level in Stephen Swift but when was the last time they appointed a manager who had who has had success at this level in the past which I suppose like, I, I know any like any one of those decisions might have led to success but appointing somebody who who literally has experience of success feels, to me anyway, feels important. Well, you know something? The the last time we appointed a manager with any success was John Coughlin, a former Berwick Rangers manager. He actually won the third division with with Stenhouse Muir and, and he was generally pretty good at, at the Warriors. You know, as, as a lot of these things, as time naturally came then, it wasn't fantastic towards the end, but, but on the whole... Uh, pretty pretty good and I think when Naismith fits uh, the profile you know he's, he's won the division before with, with his Fife in 2015-2016 he I think a qualified success at, uh, at Edinburgh City and I suppose that you see that um, that Alan Mabry's really taken them on to, to another level but I, I think that I mentioned earlier in the podcast we were talking about the new manager bounce like Mikey Miller for instance just looked really up for it like Mikey Miller's a really good player, and probably I think like pound for pound the best player in that team, given how what he does and, and what the positions that he can play. But he'd sort of been quite subdued and, and, and been off it for a wee bit. But he was just like firing the tackles, his passing was all crisp and, and really precise, and just like a real captain's performance from him. With Sean Crichton being out, out. Uh, Adam Corbett hasn't been hasn't been brilliant over the last couple of weeks. He was really really good. You know, he's a, a real good partnership down the right hand side with Matty Yates. Yates is another player whose form's been off the boil. Yates scored two. Mentioned two really good goals. One was a free kick that flew in, and the other one was a. Uh, a prime 2016 era Mesut Ozil. Like, uh, he 100% meant this. See, 100% meant this. It's a volley, a half volley that's uh, kicked into the ground and bounces up over the goalkeeper. You, you're laughing. He, he you, think, you think he didn't mean I've, it? Well, I've watched it and he didn't mean it. No chance. He knew exactly what he was doing, man. No, he didn't. He'd, he'd, he'd literally got it all wrong uh, and was quite lucky. Fuck off. He knew exactly what he was doing there. <laughs> I suppose, you know, the thing about Steny is the... The tightness of League Two, I, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we, we uh, uh, I can't remember if it was the last time we spoke or maybe the time before, we spoke about the fact that East Fife are struggling. East mm. Fife are now sitting fourth. Is it is it totally unrealistic that Stenny could finish in the playoff places and get promoted? No, it's not. It's not, and and it goes back to a, a, a it goes back to a point. This is something really annoyed me where there was after Swift got sacked. Some punter was on uh, Twitter saying, "Can't well, why they sacked him? They're only just a handful of points off the the playoffs." But it's aye, but you've no won a game. You haven't won a league. You, you go through the entire quarter without winning. That's not acceptable, regardless of regardless of what's going on elsewhere. That that, that especially is, such a poor division. So especially when it's such a poor division. And Fowler made a a really really good point. We did the podcast just in between Christmas and New Year when he said that it's like 
musical chairs in League Two, where you're just just the the a poor run of results at the wrong time of the season, you finish bottom when you're just like two three points from the team that, that finishes above you. That doesn't tend to happen. I think the only time that's really happened, I need to go back and check. Certainly in recent years, there's been an obvious shit team: Cowdenbeath, Brecon City. It, like Berwick Rangers were shit, but being so were Albion Rovers. But at least Albion Rovers were able to to get out of the the the, the mire. Um, I'm, I'm fairly certain as well. Even the the two years at Cowdenbeath, and again I, I could be wrong, but the two years at Cowdenbeath won the playoff. Um, they, like they were they, they were they were dreadful aye. in terms of the league campaign. Absolutely, absolutely. So 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 there you go. So 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 there there, there you go in, in that regard. And I, I've I've often said that it's like Stennis Muir are. There are good players in the team, but but I don't think Stephen Swift was getting the best out of them. And there's still a long way to go. As you mentioned, they played well for 45 minutes. They didn't play all that well in the second half. Uh, they were just lucky that Stranraer just had no no imagination. It was effectively just uh, crosses out wide, balls into the box. And Nicky Jameson, I mean, there's one mistake he made, to be fair, that Stranraer should have capitalised from. But other than that, it was... You know, he he defended very, very well in that game. You know, just, it was just meat and drink for him. You can't do that. You need to show a bit of imagination in that. And I think that in the transfer window, though, I think there'll be players to come in. Uh, and I do think that there, there is a... Stephen Swift said that when he left the club, that there are a good group of players there to work with. He believes that there are a good group of players. And I, I've often thought that just they're not performing. No one was performing well at that point. So it's a change that needs to be made, and it's a positive change that's need, that, that's been made. Well, there you go. That's uh, that, that, that's a positive note yeah. at Oakview. And, and you know something as well. Like uh, one of the big criticisms I had about Stephen Swift, and this is what made uh, why, why I, I never was able to take him. Just the, the complete lack of engagement with supporters. Said it loads of times. Said it to my mates. It's written about it in Pine Bovril. The complete lack of engagement with supporters and. Prior to the match, Gary Naismith came in to the wee bar twice, apparently. I was there the first time. Came in twice just to say all right to supporters, just to shake their hand and just to say, like, like just to say hello. And it took him two minutes to come in and do it at about, what, quarter past quarter past two. Come in and say all right to folk and then, then head, head back out and get changed in his tracksuit. After the match, he did the same thing. And Brown Ferguson came back, and that's the biggest pop I have had this season, was saying all right to Brown Ferguson. Absolutely love the guy. What a, what a nice guy he is, and just what a, a, what a, a, I wouldn't say aura, but just someday I've just got the utmost respect for you. You know, actually, see, when we stopped doing Tell Me's Pelly in 2015, it was actually after a conversation I had with him when Stenhouse Muir won the playoffs to stay up when they beat Queen's Park. And we were... He was talking about uh, there's a player that played for the club guy Chris Falls who I never ever rated, and and Ferguson was talking about I I, I said to him that I never rated him and, Fer- and Ferguson said something about him and it just made me realise like like completely changed my perspective. I'm thinking I this I can't pontificate about these players um, that that and be so negative about them when you don't see the appreciate the other side of it and that was one of the reasons why uh, on top of that it was just too much work but that's certainly <laughs> one of the, one of the I was going to say because you do still pontificate uh, I do just still pontificate just in different forms of, of I medium but I just like, think, uh, uh, via podcast and television I, I just I don't think I'm as when, when something's not going right I just don't think I'm as, as down in it as much as I was after that conversation so just someone who, just someone who I really like and who I've got a lot of respect for and it was just great seeing him there and him and Naismith being there and it just they engage with fans 
that one afternoon, more than, than than Stephen Swift and Fraser Wright and Mick Moore did in their entire time at the, at the Warriors. And that's the sort of thing, if you're in a bad run of form, it buys you time. It buys you time because folk are like, ah, because he's a nice guy. Because he's a nice guy. No, no, he can turn around because he's a nice guy. Do you know something? I, uh, I, I like seeing you so positive about uh, Steny it's and... Exactly. I, I've never I've never seen or heard you this positive since the start of the season when you said they'd win the league. <laughs> Listen, but we all thought that Stenis Muir could win the league. We all thought that the Warriors would win the league. We looked at that team and we thought, eh, it's a team that can win the league. It just turned out to be... I, I, I thought they had a chance. Uh, Aye, but it's like, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. There's no doubt that there's been, there's only two teams in that division who have shown any degree of consistency this season. That's Dumbarton and Sterling Albion. The rest of the sides, like are just the no one is capable of, of stringing together two positive results that's the- and see, see uh, and I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here uh, very much so I'll tell you why Dumbarton are not going to win the league because Rangers B use their uh, pitch and it's an absolute shambles again uh, it's a shambles uh, their match uh, against Sterling Albion was called off at the weekend that was I was really uh, looking forward to seeing the outcome of that I know it was, there was then- rain and so on but then Rangers B played on it like about three days later and are playing on it again this weekend. I I suspect... Uh, remember when Partick had that terrible pitch last season and yeah. they had to play a load of games in a, a very short space of time? I, I can see that happening to to the Suns. It's, it's what I'm sure though, though for... I've been having read and pine bothered about Dumbarton. They had a, a decent... Uh, and somebody need to correct me here, but I, I might be wrong. They had a very good pitch at one point, although it was prone to freezing, obviously because of just where the how the stand that it, it doesn't um, when the sun shines it sh- casts a shadow across the pitch that's what I meant to say so they had a really good grounds but I don't think that's the case anymore and then chuck uh, in the fact that, that Rangers uh, uh, kiddies side are playing on it it's a recipe for disaster I, I, I'm trying to remember I'm sure they had somebody maybe they had a full time groundsman or maybe not a full time groundsman but a part time groundsman who was able to spend a lot more time working on the park than than, than, than the hours he was really doing uh, and that's not the case anymore and they essentially ground shear uh, so I, the, the park is starting to, to to look bleak and of course the, the, the game against Stenhouse Muir was rain, was it rained off was it a frozen pitch it was one yep. of the two uh, so off, we're already seeing a, a bit of a fixture backlog that they'll have to try and, and navigate uh, one, one thing I do want to say before we finish up talking about, about Stenhouse Muir uh, Connor Brennan uh, the goalkeeper took a real sore one at the weekend. He, he saved, uh, I can't remember who it was that had the header, but he saved the header and as he went down to, to, to pot away, Nicky Jameson slid in and basically kicked him in the face and he was down for nine minutes before he was stretchered off. And he has, un- uh, yesterday he underwent surgery to insert a plate and repair a blowout fracture to the orbit of his eye and a broken nose which sounds absolutely horrendous. However, the surgeon's happy with how the procedure went and I think it, it goes without saying that really wish him, him all the best. I It looked, uh, I, I watched that a couple of days ago and it looked uh, it looked a hideous, a hideous challenge. Aye. I mean, it's one of those ones that I thought the, the chairman, Ian McMenny, was, was on Twitter. He was unhappy that the referee didn't stop the match for, for a head knock. But I think it's, it's, it's quite difficult to tell as I think when you see it, like the referee's view was obscured. I think he would have thought Nicky Jameson just came in and caught him on the midriff 
perhaps like sliding in like that and uh, aye, and it's necessitated that Stennis Muir have gone in and out to get a new keeper and a guy called Curtis Lyle has come in signing an 18 month contract after leaving Kilmarnock um, mixed reports about him uh, on Pine Bovard when was the last time Stennis signed a goalkeeper and there wasn't mixed reports about him fuck me the only last time I actually, we... actually was there mixed reports about Conor Brennan no no there was just reports well there was <laughs> these Kilbride fans say oh he's amazing uh, oh, but oh, everyone else, they? Uh, they said he was like he got the Lowland League goalkeeper of the year. Surely no. Yeah, he did last season for East Bride. Fucking hell. Aye. So anyway, this regardless, guy, I hope he's fine. So, but anyway, so on the so Curtis Lyle had been on loan at East Bride last season on Pine Bovril. We've signed Curtis Lyle. What's he like? Not as good as the last goalkeeper you took from us. <laughs> Oh dear. oh dear see everything they've said about potentially finishing the top four oh, it's forget, like, it's forget like, said. you'll finish eighth and you'll like it I mean obviously you've got to give the guy a chance I've spoken to an associate who watched him get Kilmarnock a lot and sent me a video clip I mean, granted it was a wee while ago but you're thinking jeez oh man it's like how, how fucking hard is it to sign a good goalkeeper <laughs> stop signing goalkeepers from the Lowland League <laughs> Please, for the love of God, stop signing goalkeepers from all in the league. And on top of that, the boy Jay Cantley, who came on for him, like Cantley had nothing to do. Like he, he didn't have a, actually a single save to make in the match. But <laughs> there was a looping cross. You know when somebody misses miss, miss hits a cross and just goes flying up into the air. And he's waiting for the ball, basically just with his arms out to catch it. He dropped it under no pressure. And on two occasions, cross balls came in, and because of his indecisiveness. Dan Higgins and Adam Corbett like had to make a decision. He clattered into the pair of them and they both had to go off to get treatment before coming back on. So Cantley inspires no confidence. So hopefully Curtis Lyle can do it because I mean just like we're talking about like the lift has signed a good goalkeeper. If you've had a, a poor goalkeeper and you sign a good one, we're talking about Queen of the South there signing Kevin Dubrovsky. Like everyone at Queen of the South will be like, brilliant. That is a massive upgrade. Massive upgrade. A, a, a goalkeeper who is confident or the, the opposite, a goalkeeper who is who is not confident and uh, it won't come for things and uh, won't make the, the won't do the basics. That uh, nervousness permeates throughout the team and, and kind of affects the back four as well. Yeah. It's not just a, it's not just the goalkeeper who is affected by that lack of confidence. And then it's supporters, it permeates the supporters as well. And I'm sure that that, that will then sort of just come back onto the pitch as well. So it just creates just a big, a big gyre of shit. And I just really, Sean, I just want to get out of this gyre of shit that I've been in for the past 18 months like the last time Stenny signed a good permanent goalkeeper was, was Graham Smith and that was ages ago that was ages ago man oh hopefully Curtis Lyle's good that's the that's the, the point we want to make and, and hopefully he always turns up at the correct stadium for a game of course that was uh, Graham Smith who it was a match between Brecon City and Stenhouse Muir Graham uh, Smith turned up at uh, Oakleview <laughs> instead of Glebe Park so a very frantic drive up to Angus <laughs> To, to make sure that he was uh, he, he was there for that I just I just love us to sign a good goalkeeper hopefully this guy's good but it's like an 18 month contract so that um, mm, I, 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 I don't know what that means why can we not say you have him for 18 months yeah that does <laughs> thank you Sean for, for, for clearing that up up uh, anyway we'll, we'll finish up by looking at the team currently propping up the SPFL this is Bonnie Rig Rose and they were you know, pretty dreadful in the weekend's 4-0 defeat to Albion Rovers 
Uh, the Rovers were 3 0 up at half time, courtesy of goals from Charlie Riley, James Leslie, and Luke Graham. And then Riley got his second goal from the penalty spot after a pretty, well, I say pretty, this was a stonewall penalty. And, and it just feels like if you were a Rose fan, you would be deeply, deeply frustrated with this because having gone four draws in a win, beating Stranraer just before Christmas, their game against Anna was called off, it kind of gave you the impression that a corner had been turned. And it just feels like it's a thoroughly dispiriting way to kick off 2023, particularly against Albion Rovers, a side who are expected to, to be the one of the worst sides in the division. I know, I know it's just one defeat, but I suppose it's the nature of the defeat which which would leave Bonnie Rig fans uh, more despondent than than anything else. And as much as they had, as much as they had a couple of chances, there was, there was they, they created they eked out a, f- a few things. I think it was a a, a free kick. There was a really good save uh, at one 0 that might have got them back into it. I, I, I don't know, but but certainly across the ninety minutes, Albion Rovers looked looked far the better team. And the, the concern is now who. Although everything's very kind of concertinaed up uh, and uh, the kind of bottom fives, even six places, I suppose, in in League Two. There's only eight points that separates uh, third place from tenth place. But it feels like a lot of those teams at the bottom of the league are, as much as it seems daft to say it, starting to become a wee bit more upwardly mobile, mm. whereas Bonnie and I are, are, are very much not. So like Forfar, didn't expect them to be down there. I think the appointment of Ray McKinnon will be a good one and I'd be amazed if they if, if they are still in bother come the tail end of the season. We never expected Annan to be down there uh, come the start of the season. Uh, I think when we get to the April, I, I don't think they will be. So then, Steny have struggled. We've, we've just spoken about them. I think they'll be fine. We've mentioned these five might be struggling this season. They're currently fourth. <laughs> Uh, Stranraer I really like their, uh, their, their their kind of blue and white strip I, I think if anybody I think if anybody might be in bother along with Bonnie Rigg I might actually say Stranraer and, and yes you'll have to see Albion Rovers as well but based on the evidence of Saturday Albion Rovers look miles better than Bonnie Rigg and I know there's been this theory of uh, Albion Rovers uh, place in the league is, is kind of false their performances have been better than their their league placing and I, I kind of get that, but by the same token, you are where you are in the league. Like if you're ninth or tenth, and that's where you that's where you deserve to be. Uh, but I, I still, based on what I've seen so far, I would imagine I would fancy both Albion Rovers and and Stranraer and any other straggler uh, at the the tail end of League Two to finish above Bonnyrigg. We, we've mentioned it before. They didn't really bring in very much SPFL experience in the summer. They haven't done it again as it stands uh, in January. And unless they do so, I, I can't imagine they'll they'll finish any higher than ninth. And and I would expect them to finish tenth. I I, I think I think so. Watching back those highlights, I think that after Charlie Riley opens the scoring and it's really, really poor defending because he's there's what's it back when he's got the ball there are about four Bonnie Rig defenders around him and no one puts a toe in to, to try and block the shot and it's it's, it's, a, it's really easy for him to score they did create some good chances but you're absolutely right Jack Layfield made a really good save and he made another good one from Kevin Smith where he came right out to 
to meet him. I think he got Kevin Smith got slipped in. Leafield dives down and the ball sprawls. Ross Gray should score if he lifted it over him. It's all very easy to say, and the, the but it all broke to him very quickly. But it, he, Leafield makes a good save there again. Then the 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 second goal, like the the one from 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 James Leslie, like Bonnerig's goalkeepers are really poor. Like like. Not to talk about them again, but when Stennis Muir beat them 4-2, Mark Weir turned in one of the worst goalkeeping performances I've seen at this level. And and Michael Andrews, who's who's basically taken his place, he was really poor at the weekend. I mean, it's, he comes... Like, the ball sort of, like, swung into where the area he's coming to collect it, but somebody's able to, to get ahead of him and flick it on before it's turned over. And on top of that, prior to that, there's one where it's a cross, come, a, a cross is hit and he spills it. And, and the goal, I mean, it's disallowed. I mean, like I said, the goal was disallowed because the Albion Rovers player um, uh, was, was was offside. But the fact that, that that was spilled and it was really straightforward, that's something that, 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 they've, that they've really struggled with. They're... They're a slow side. Now that Kieran Mitchell has gone back to Wraith Rovers and he played last night for them against Queen's Park in the Cup, there's a real lack of pace throughout the team. I don't think Mitchell just came back to help us out last night. Like, I, I don't think Mitchell will be going... Like, I know sometimes loan players will go back for a wee period of time and then maybe get go back to that the, the kind of loanee club. I, I, I don't think that'll be the case. And you're right, the, the entire team looks ponderous. So already we're now, what, 12th of January and Bonnerig are, are now probably weaker than they were at the start yeah. of the month. And that's that's a massive concern. I, I don't think that, that that's unfair to say. And of course, there's still a lot of time uh, between now and like the, the, the end of the transfer round to, to bring people in. But... You kind of look at like Wraith Rovers have got a very small squad, so so Mitchell will be going there to become a squad player. Mitchell's probably going to get more game time, like that. That was just a taster for him uh, against Queens Park. He'll he'll probably feature throughout the season. So Robbie Horn's going to have to to to, to really get into that Rolodex there and try and pull in players to help him out because it's. It's what, 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 is, what, is, what is that funny? I just imagine, I just imagine with a Rolodex. <laughs> I just you see, you see just in his, his desk at you done this. Never mobile phone. He has a Rolodex and a landline <laughs> and a fax machine to to put over. The thing is, that, that's that's why they that's why they don't have a particularly good squad. People are like desperate to text him, but he doesn't have the facility <laughs> except text messages. It's a Rolodex and a landline. Was it uh, Alan Sugar that developed uh, an Amstrad thing where you could phone and it would read out your emails to you? That's what Robbie Horn's got. He's the last person who still uses that Amstrad computer. Gets his emails uh, read out to him down the down, down the phone. But I, it's a, it's a, it's, I think it has been a, a, a steep learning curve for, for, for Bonnie Rigg. And, and I keep making this point all the time that some people don't think so, but there is a gap between the, the, the Lowland League and one division above. Much the same as there's a gap between League Two and League One and League One and the Championship and so on. They're, they're, these teams are, are at a level for uh, for a reason. The higher up you go, the the, t- the more difficult it gets. The the players are fitter, the players are faster, the players are, are more intelligent. They're, they're they're quicker in thought. They're more consistent. And this is something that that that, that Bonnie Rigg are, are finding out. I've said it before. I, 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 if they do even if they do finish bottom, I hope that they don't go down because like I. I I want to see them stay up. I want to see how they can uh, how they can develop. I think New Dundas Park, having been there early the season, 
it's a it's a nice wee ground. I mean the the the, the pitch and you think between one end of the pitch and the other you need oxygen because of that different. Uh, there's, there's quite a slope and they've portaloos for toilets, which isn't something you really uh, used to in in the SPF. I got to sound like a uh, big Simon SPFL. There. <laughs> oh, we're not used to portaloos at this level, you know. But aye, he's got uh, he's got a lot of work to do, and he, he, I'll kind of watch his post match interview. The the body rig rose highlights as we mentioned earlier are, are really quite good. Like the way they're put together, I like the the, the guys doing the commentary. That I quite like the the Boomtown Bernabeu. Quite like uh, that's I think that's quite uh quite quite cute. That's that's quite funny. Um, and he's the 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 way it works is they are match highlights. Just once they finish up, they go into the post match interview, and he was really down. I think he acknowledges it's a bad performance. Uh, just one of those things where where nothing nothing went right for them. But it was also quite interesting that he he very much took responsibility himself for the like we saying like where did it go wrong is like, well, I need to look at myself and very much uh, very much take accountability like he, he was very honest in terms of maybe his feelings that maybe other managers wouldn't necessarily give on a immediately after a game mm-hmm. yeah aye so so how how he turns that round it's basically just signing players. Signing, signing new players, and and you do wonder if there is a a budget there because in terms of attendances, in terms of League Two attendances, like they're doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I don't think it's just been. You know, I think there has been a bit of a drop off, but it's only a bit of a drop off. Like the excitement around the club going up that first game of the season by beating Forfar. 2-0, amazing, that's that, that's brilliant, that's absolutely superb, and I think it's just like winter months, cost of living, you know, it's, it's, it's easy enough that these the football is one of the things that can slide, but there's been, it's certainly been the highest in the division, I think it's, it's fair to say this is the highest in the division, which is, which is brilliant. Which surely, which surely then gives them scope to, to maybe bring in a, a, a body or two or whatever. I wonder who who who. I'm trying to think the, the sort of the, the the areas you need to strengthen. In, they could do a new oh. goalkeeper. <laughs> no, very, very much a new goalkeeper because like, I, I know I've just mentioned it, but see if see if you have no faith in a goalkeeper. I remember when we had uh, to see when Rovers had Andy McNeil in goals yeah. version one, not the Andy McNeil had in goals against Queens Park last night. I, I just went into games expecting to concede two or three. So, so you have to score th- three or four just to win a game. And presumably that, my uh, my opinion, presumably like the players kind of felt that as well to a degree. And then suddenly they maybe sat a bit deeper because they feel they have to protect the goalkeeper. So I, uh, if they can bring in like a half-decent goalkeeper, that makes a world of difference immediately. Definitely. I think they could do with uh, a wee bit of uh, legs in the middle of the park, some pace out wide and uh, someone else up front. So you're probably talking about like five or six players to to come in. That that feels like a big ask. That's quite a considerable outlay. But I mean, you know, something. I've no doubt. I I, I don't doubt that that Robbie Horn, like when the, the the poor run started, he would have already been earmarking players or speaking to people to come. And I think that's just what managers do. It's like you don't just wait till the transfer window and then start talking to people. You do it early and, and make sure that you're uh, that when the window opens, you're in a good place to to bring in the guys that can that can help you. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Um, I'm just trying to think, just see who they're playing at the, before we finish up, to check who Bonnie Rigg are playing at the, the weekend. 
Uh, it's always good just to, to think of these things. For sorry, sorry, dear listener, I should have checked this. Um, just waiting for soccer base to load. There we go. They are playing <laughs> home to Sterling Albion. Ah, well, well, then they're fucked. They beat Sterling Albion last time. They, uh, they, uh, Sterling Albion took a trip uh, to uh, Midlothian. Was that when they were okay though? Uh, yeah, I think that was the last. Uh, that was one of that that that, aye, that was when they were okay. But listen, you never know. Who knows? Perhaps they, they will turn a corner. I doubt it though. Now that uh, now that Sterling Albion have uh, uh, Greg oh, Spence, <laughs> an odd signing. But like Kai Fotheringham, uh, getting to keep him for the rest of the season is uh, uh, that's that's brilliant like, for, for them. See an example. See when Greg Spence was at our broth. This is our broth from the championship at this point. Greg Spence was just like a quite like similar to Dale Hilson, just like basically did a lot of like a pressing forward, did a lot of work like that. Instead, we were, I think paid money for him, and we were told as always brilliant signing for that level uh, and I do have a degree of sympathy for him because Dave Aaron's played him as a wide forward and I don't know why he'd want to do that considering the guy had made his name on being a penalty box striker all his time but I mean we did not see the best of Greg Spence and I think that he was absolutely scunnered with football went off to play with his pals with uh, Inverkeeving Swifts so hopefully he's got his mojo back he I believe he went uh, three years without a legal uh, it wasn't far off. Uh, I well, was. It certainly wasn't far. I think it was. It was over two. I don't think it was as many as I think it was two years without a league goal. Was it? Was it Inver? Was it Inverkeithing Genefield Swifts? Yes, that's just like a, right. Just a, just a good team name. Uh, it's a good team. He was in trial at Open Goal, uh, and then signed for Sterling. I think though, however, maybe it's just for him to get a taste of it. But I cannot see him displacing like Robert Thompson or Dale Carrick up front. But he could be. Uh, he could be a useful alternative. I saw that still in Albion, they, they signed a guy in the summer called Danny Burns from Shots Bon Accord. And I think he had scored quite a lot of goals at that level. I don't know what, what level Shots Bon Accord are in. I think it'll be the West, it'll be a West of Scotland, one of the divisions there, but wasn't able to make much of an impact coming into the, the, the top flight. So best of luck to him wherever he goes. Greg, uh, Greg Spence is one of my favourite footballer tweets. He said that when he retires from football, he would like to uh, basically buy a dog sanctuary. And he ended the tweet by saying, woof. <laughs> well, you know what? That's pretty much... On, what, uh, he ended the podcast with the word woof. We'll end the podcast here. He ended his tweet with the word woof. We'll end the podcast here. But Sean, as always, it's been an absolute... It's an honour and a pleasure to not just do a podcast with you, but to call you a friend. <laughs> well, no, thank you, and and yes, I I I I enjoy calling you a friend as well. Oh, thank you very much, uh, and and dear listener, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and I hope you did, because there's uh, over a hundred minutes of it, then please do consider subscribing to the Terrace Patreon account. There is loads of patrons. Fowler put up about forty yesterday, <laughs> one uh, of uh, old movie reviews and, and so on. There, so there's all all all, all, all of our listeners appear to to enjoy uh, their. Uh, their email uh, inbox being spammed. Yes, aye. So there's loads of podcasts, loads of podcasts about films, loads of podcasts about football, just, just loads of podcasts, loads of content. So you cannot say that you don't get your money's worth. You cannot say that. You can say the podcasts are poor, that the people on them aren't very good, but you cannot say that you don't get your money's worth. The Terrace is all about quantity over quality. 
But not in this instance. Not in this instance. You know, when you see a podcast drop on a Thursday and you see that myself and Sean are involved, you know that it's, it is absolutely chock a block full of the good shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get well, Sean. An absolute pleasure seeing you as always. Yes, uh, and, and you. Woof! Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.